Today on CityCast Denver. The majestic, expansive, inspiring Rocky Mountain National Park is expecting a record number of visitors this year. It could hit 5 million, but most of those people are going to the same few well-worn trails. You know, it's summer, it's busy, it's tourist season, and if you go to into that Bear Lake area, then you're going to share that experience with thousands of people. Today is Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Let's see what's happening out there today. It's heating up again. We're looking at a high of 98 today with a slight chance of storms this afternoon. Our top story, Brie is coming back. That's right, our regular host, Brie Davies, returns from her maternity leave tomorrow. I know she's going to be excited to be with you again. I don't know about you all, but I think Meow Wolf is gearing up to open their new Denver spot very, very soon. The DIY art collective turned National Immersive Art Experience Company has been putting up weird flyers and billboards around town. I saw Westward had some pictures yesterday of a Meow Wolf sign going up on that big white oblong building they built near I-25 in Colfax. And perhaps most telling of all, I got a cryptic email from them yesterday telling me to commit to memory the date August 3rd, which is next Tuesday. I'm still not psyched about the crappy business practices I've heard about, especially the allegations of discrimination against female, non-binary, and transgender employees. But I love the Meow Wolf in Santa Fe, and I'm pretty damn excited to see what they've been working on here in Denver. And here's just a quick bit about sports. I know there was a lot of talk this summer about the Broncos acquiring MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers from the Packers, but I've got bad news. Rodgers re-signed with Green Bay yesterday, leaving the Broncos once again without a clear number one QB going into the season. Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are going to duke it out in training camp, but good luck remembering either of their names come next season. When I first moved to Denver a few years ago, I didn't really get everyone's obsession with the outdoors. But I wanted to see what all the fuss was about. So one day, my wife and I picked out a nice, easy beginner trail. We got up early, drove out on 36, through the quirky little town of Estes Park and into Rocky Mountain National Park, seeking adventure in the wilderness, oneness with nature, and maybe a peek at some elk or a moose. Stop me if you've heard this story before. Of course, it was wall-to-wall crowds all day long. Looking back, I feel like I lived true Colorado cliche. But it's a cliche because it keeps happening. After a dip in attendance last year during the pandemic, Rocky Mountain National Park is once again on pace for record numbers of visitors this year. And that means those crowds and the impacts they have on the park are now bigger than ever. Testing one, two, am I? Yep, I'm coming through. Get the old do not disturb on. There we go. Aaron Miller is an award-winning travel writer and the host of the new podcast, Exploring Estes Park. Funded by the Estes Park Tourism Office, Exploring Estes Park aims to show listeners new ways to engage with one of Colorado's most beautiful places. I actually spent some time working on Exploring Estes Park at my last job, so CityCast Denver producer Alexander McMahon sat down with Aaron last week. Well, Aaron, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you so much for having me. It's, yeah, I'm really excited to be on. All right, I'm going to start with a tough one. Why does this podcast even exist? 
Oh my God, that is a tough one. (laughs) Right into the deep end. No, you know what? It's actually a great question. So um, it's a podcast about Estes Park and I guess it exists to share this beautiful region, right? We're so lucky here in Colorado to live on the doorstep of Rocky Mountain National Park, one of the crown jewels, not just of Colorado's national park system, but the the whole of of America and the world. And um, you know, just to, to, to kind of share the, the beauty and inspiration that we all get when we come over to the 36 and suddenly you see that beautiful valley, you see those mountains and you just feel, I have arrived, I've arrived in this beautiful place. But Rocky Mountain is also incredibly busy, you know, the four point God something uh, million people come every year. Most of them come June, July and August, right? So it's it's a very, very busy place and of course they want to come and they want to experience the park and see all that special beauty but in many ways the the sort of boundaries of that park are artificial you know that we've created those boundaries but the beauty of that landscape extends far beyond that so one of the things we wanted to do was really just talk about the whole region not just the park and we do do a lot of stories uh, in Rocky Mountain but also in the Estes Park region and we wanted to find stories that you know, maybe people weren't that familiar with. And through that, just shine a light on different aspects of Estes Park and and hopefully, you know, create a deeper appreciation for for the whole beautiful valley. Mm. Wow. The outdoors are crowded in Colorado. This is the first time hearing of it. <laughs> well, no, you got to find kidding. those. You got to find those hidden corners. You know. Yeah. No. Definitely. So, so the part of this is to help people discover places in Rocky Mountain National Park and Estes Park, that region that maybe are a little less densely crowded. Are are you recommending places or it's more about sharing people's stories? Well, you know, I'm a travel writer and it's always a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because you try and recommend these beautiful hidden corners and then they don't stay hidden corners for that long. So we do pick out some different things, but sometimes it's more thematic, right? Like we do a, a story about dark skies, really amazing story. And there's a huge problem of light pollution all around the world. But with national parks, we don't often think of, uh, you know, the night sky as something that comes within that remit of that national park to be preserved and protected. But of course, that's the case. And there's fewer and fewer places in the world where that's so. And that's a great example of the sort of story where you're maybe not highlighting a specific place, but you're highlighting an aspect of that region that maybe goes unnoticed for a lot of the people that come and visit there. Another example, we did an episode about the indigenous history of, uh, of Rocky Mountain National Park. And that's a story that's not often told, you know, we, when we talk about that area, we talk about Enos Mills and Griff Evans and the people who founded that town in the late 19th century. Uh, we talk about the formation of, the, of Rocky Mountain National Park in the early 20th century. But the archaeological evidence dates back 12,000 years to indigenous people living and using that area, often seasonally for hunting and, and plant gathering. And that's not a story that's told often enough. And I think sometimes when you find stories like that, Um, they can help you see just different layers into a place and maybe appreciate it uh, a bit more for that too. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that will help people see this park that maybe we take for granted sometimes in a a new light, in a new way. And yeah, going back to that Dark Skies episode, I know that you also share the story of uh, about like an observatory in Estes Park made by a man who lost two children. So he kind of created the place as a memorial to them. That sounds super moving. And and I felt like a lot of the stories in that episode build towards this greater significance of stargazing. And I'm wondering if you tell me more about that and why you wanted to focus on that. 
Yeah, he's a great guy. Mike Connolly, his uh, observatory is the uh, Estes Park Memorial Observatory. His, sadly, his, his two children, older children, died in a motorcycle accident. And as a memorial to them, he he built this this amazing observatory. And we actually got to go up and look through it. And it's a proper big telescope, you know, where the, the thing unfolds at the top. And the, the first time that you look and you see the moon or Saturn and you see it through a telescope like that, I think you just get this moment of, oh my God, this is real. Like, you know, we know it in an abstract way, but suddenly when you you see the rings of Saturn or you see the moon in 3D, he was saying to us, like, you can actually see some of the debris from the moon landings if you get it at the right time. And I think there's just this sort of realization moment that, you know, oh my God, we really are on a blue ball floating in the vastness of space. And that does something very special to us. Light pollution, it affects ecosystems. It affects animals all over the world. It has all these tangible effects. It costs us a ton of money, but also on a on a deeper, probably more ab- abstract level to talk about, you know, what are we truly missing when we uh, lose the ability to look up and see that, that Milky Way and its true wonder. I always... Uh tell the people, okay, with, with the naked eye on a good, clear, dark night here in the park, you can see a magnitude six star. Mike's talking about stellar magnitude. It's a scale that dates back to the ancient Greek astronomers Hipparchus and Ptolemy to compare the relative brightness of stars. Number one is the brightest and easiest to see, and six is the dimmest and only visible in the darkest of skies. And so... Here in in Estes, we can see sixes. You know, that's phenomenal. In Denver, on an equivalent night, you're lucky to see a three. And uh, the people east of the Mississippi, they haven't even seen uh, the Milky Way, probably. If you're in the park and you've never seen the Milky Way before and you look up, you'll say, what in the heck is that? And it's the Milky Way. It's that brilliant. So in the first episode of the podcast, you share Isabella Bird's story of visiting Estes Park for the first time. I believe this was like in the 1800s. Yes. Yeah. Late 1800s. I'm curious, what really struck you about her tale so much so that you wanted to start the whole series here with her? It's a great story. I love her story. You know, she's um, she was a British woman uh, at that time. You know, women were expected to sort of clink teacups in Victorian England. They weren't expected to travel around the world. And those that did were aristocrats and were accompanied by their husbands or whatever. And she wasn't an aristocrat. She wasn't born into money. She had all these kind of physical ailments and she traveled alone, you know, through the whole world. Uh, And so it was it was an incredibly brave thing for her to do. She was an incredibly determined woman. But her trip to Estes Park was particularly special because she was the first real travel writer, I guess, to to record her experience there. And she recorded it just beautifully, you know. Um, and the book she wrote ended up becoming a bestseller all around the world. So it was like the first instance where, you know, I suppose in many ways it was like the seed that would later become Rocky Mountain National Park and why we all go there. It was just conveying that sort of beauty. You know, one of the funny things is uh, Long's Peak, which is this, you know, it's a 14er, it's a really serious climb. It's, you know, it's dangerous. And she did it in, in quote unquote in her book, 
a Hawaiian summer riding dress. You know, it's What? like, how do you get up that? And it was like fall or something like that too. So it was, it was, would have been cold. And how do you get up that kind of thing in a summer riding dress? I will never know. It was something at last to stand upon the storm-rent crown of this lonely sentinel of the Rocky Range, on one of the mightiest of the vertebrae of the backbone of the North American continent. Uplifted above love and hate, peace rested for that one bright day on the peak, as if it were some region where falls not rain or hail or any snow, or ever wind blows loudly. But it's a fun story too because it's a love story. She fell in love with a, a desperado, a wild west ruffian, as she calls him. <laughs> so she just creates this really romantic picture of of Rocky Mountain National Park and of the West. What do you think Isabella Bird would say about the Rocky Mountain National Park we know today? Oh my God, that's a great question. You know, we had a, a historian on Thomas Andrews talking about, you know, how although so much has changed, that landscape still inspires the same sort of awe. It still makes us feel the same, and so I think that um, she would have. Yeah, it'd be a very different place for her. Of course, I'm not sure what she would have thought of that. Probably not, not of enough of an adventure. She probably would have been out in the backwoods, like you know, fighting bears or something. But at the same time, I think that she'd recognize that that inspiration that that sparked in her is something that we can all still feel too. Yeah, yeah, she'd be like. There's a paved road. I can just drive my car into Rocky. That's not a way that's not too fun. easy. Yeah, it's way too, too easy. easy. Yeah. <laughs> so, say people listen to the show, they get inspired to visit the park and Estes Park. How do you hope the podcast changes the way they visit? I just hope that some of these stories allow people to look at Estes Park, to look at that whole region, and appreciate it a little bit deeper, maybe just to take one or two. Elements from that, and and try and see it through new eyes. You know, we interviewed a a wonderful woman called Betsy Chapuz from the the Ute tribe, and she talked about going up to Rocky Mountain the first time when she was a child, and just having this moment where she felt like she could touch the sky, and felt like that suddenly it was this incredible place. And then the story we're doing there is about improving indigenous connections to the park, both in terms of visitor education, but also in terms of access for those those people, those young Utes and Arapaho Cheyenne people to come back and, and experience their, their homeland uh, as well in a way. And she talked about, you know, going up there to the, to the high mountains and looking out and just trying to understand for a second that that land to her and to her people isn't just you know, rocks and stones and trees and dirt. It's, it's absolutely interwoven with their culture and their beliefs and their language and their identity. And I think you can catch a glimpse of that. We'll never truly see it through another person's eyes like that. But I think if you can catch a glimpse of that, you can sort of appreciate, appreciate it on a, in a different way and, and hopefully a deeper way too. What advice would you give someone who is interested in visiting the park this summer? This year, the park is doing a reservation system, and what that means is that if you want to come to Rocky Mountain National Park, you really can't just turn up. You have to get a reservation first, and that means planning ahead a bit. And it's worth planning ahead, right? The other thing people can do is go to visitestespark.com, where they can download free guides to sort of the backstory of each episode and what people can actually do. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. This was great. 
Oh, thank you. And a big, can I just do a, a big shout out as well? Because um, yeah. I made this podcast with House of Pod, who are an amazing production company. They do some incredible stuff. And Jason Patton was the sound engineer and audio wizard and co-producer on this. And uh, I couldn't have done it without those guys. Oh, yes. Hats off to your whole team. It was great. <laughs> thank you. That's all for us today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Until then, I hope you have a really good day. Should I do that that bit again about it?